Good to see everyone this evening. Hope you're doing well. Hope that uh, you've had a wonderful day, and I hope that we have once again come together to um, hopefully learn something from God's Word that will help us in our Christian walk. You know, one of the devil's greatest devices um, is to tempt Christians to lose their passion for serving God. You know, you think of all the things that, that Satan can do and all the things that he tries, but if he can get us to lose our passion for God, lose our passion for serving, lose our passion for walking our Christian walk, uh, then he's accomplished something, hasn't he? Um, he? He's really got to the core of us. You know, Satan will try to deceive us. He will try to deaden us or dull us to maybe what's going on. He will try to destroy us. He'll try to do anything that he can, uh, but he will settle for just discouragement. He will settle for getting us to, uh, as I said, not to have a spirit for God. Um, because that means we just get to where we go through the motions. We just uh, kind of go through our everyday walks of life and not give much thought to... Uh, our service to God and our service to each other. Um, Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, when we put on our whole armor of God, the devil has, um, he has no power against us, does he? You know, as I said, he'll try everything, but we have to put on that whole armor. We can't just put on part of it because he'll know where we have our weak areas. He knows uh, where we uh, are slacking. He knows where we have lost our passion. And then he will use that uh, against us. But the thing is, if we, have, if we put on the whole armor of God and we study and we learn everything that God wants us to learn as we put on this whole armor of God then we'll know every device that Satan has. And with that knowledge, we can have the upper hand, can't we? You know, when we have that knowledge of what Satan tries to do, if we have that knowledge of, of what he's going to try to get us to do, you know, we talked about in our teenage class this morning uh, some different ways in which uh, Satan tries to get us through distraction, through boredom. You know, I thought about as a kid, well, even now, I guess, the most times I get in trouble is when I'm bored because that's when you start thinking about doing things. You think about doing something that you're not bored anymore and doing. Well, that's what happens when we lose our passion for Christ, though. When we lose our passion for serving God, we, we get into this rut to where sometimes we don't want to do anything. You know, we, we, we don't want to visit. We, we may not even want to go to services. You know, and I think as, as people, I mean, it's 2023 now, covid well, I don't guess you could say it's over. I think it's kind of starting back up some. But sometimes when we were shut into our homes, when we were doing those things, it's still hard to get out of that mindset. That mindset of just, I just want to be at home, or I just want to do this. I, I, I don't want to go anywhere that I don't have to go. I don't want to do anything that I don't have to do. And I'm, I'm saying this from experience. I get like this. I, I get to where I, I'm like, if, if it don't happen within, you know, that little triangle of mine, whether it's work, church, or home, there ain't a whole lot else that, that happens there. That's why as I've been 
working on things and, and we're doing things for the retreat, I've been getting excited because I really like the retreat. I get stressed out, but I really like it. And, and I hope that that will help, you know, kind of recharge us to uh, uh, maybe make a good connection, continue to make a connection, to kind of get back in touch with each other. And I, I really look forward to retreats when they do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So, again, if we have that knowledge of his devices, if we know what he's going to use against us, we can be ready for it. We can defend ourselves. That's why the Bible says, again, to put on the whole armor of God because that covers everything that Satan is going to do for you. Uh, one verse that we talked about this morning that I just thought about now that, that would work, you know, when we think about where in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says that God provides a way of escape for us, you know, that we won't let us be tempted over anything that, you know, we, we can't overcome. But here's one thing that comes along with that. God may provide the escape for us, but Satan always provides the opportunity, doesn't he? If there's always an opportunity there to do something that we shouldn't do or not to do something that we should be doing. So God may provide that way of escape. He may provide that avenue so we're not tempted in those areas. But along with that, Satan will provide an opportunity. He'll provide an opportunity for us to do something, uh, again, that we shouldn't or uh, not do something that we should. So when it comes to losing our passion uh, for Christ, Satan loves that. He don't have to work as hard. He says, I don't have to use anything. I've already got them because he said, I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you go to Bible study. I don't care if you do any of that. If you just want to come in, sit on the pews and leave, he said, that's fine with me. You may not get anything out of it. You know, we can do those things. We can come to church. We can come to Bible study. We can even do things that we plan with the church and never give God a second thought. Do you think we can do that? Yeah, we can do that. That can happen, unfortunately. And when it does, what does it do? It weighs upon our, our, our passion, our zeal, our zest uh, uh, for God. He should always be at the forefront. You know, sometimes people and entire congregations fall into this category. Look with me in Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars." And you have uh, preserved, persevered, and have patience, and, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent." Now notice what he's saying here to this congregation. They had some good qualities. They had some things that were good, but he said, you've lost your first love. You've lost your zeal. You've lost your zest for why you're doing the things in which you're doing. And he says, you need to repent of that. He says, I'm going to come and take your lampstand. You know why? Because if there's no fire there, there's no need for a lampstand, is there? So he says, I'll come and take that away. Because you're not using it anyway. It's like our talents. It's like our abilities. It's like the things in which we do. If we don't use them, 
they'll be took away from us because there's no use. You know, here you have these gifts, we have these talents, we have these abilities that God gives us, but if we lose our passion for why we're doing these things and we're not using them the way God wants us to use them, what good are they? You know, we could go back when he talked about salt. If salt, if it's, if it's no good, it's nothing to be trampled over by the foot of men. It, it doesn't serve its purpose. We've lost why we're doing it. So with how Satan uses his devices, one device he uses is again to get us to lose our passion uh, for Christ. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves as to whether... You are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? You know, we can reach a point to where, you know, we quit examining ourselves because we quit caring. And then what happens? We become disqualified. How? Because we don't do what we're supposed to do. Or, or the spirit, our, our, our emotion. You know, we say sometimes, well, emotion has nothing to do with our salvation. It, it, it's not about feeling. It's about doing truth. It's about doing truth for the right reason. It's about doing truth from the right motivation. You know, everything that Jesus dealt with, if you go look at, on the Sermon on the Mount and all through His ministry, it was going back to the heart. The heart's what matters. You do these things because that's what comes from inside. I do these things because I want to do them. I do these things because I have a passion to do them. I do these things because that's what God wants me to do, and I should want to do it if I want to go to heaven. But Satan wants us to do these things. But he said, just go through the motions. Just do them. Don't have a passion for it. Don't have a zeal for it. Don't have a, a, a zest for it. And sometimes that's exactly uh, what takes place. In Philippians chapter 3, I want us to look at some things that will help us uh, to kind of keep, maybe keep us from losing our zeal, losing our passion for Christ. And I want to use what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many, are, as, many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Now our first point I want us to look at, verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus had also laid hold of me. Paul is one of, um, I believe, one of the hardest working individuals that we see. If you, if you look at all the things that he did, all the things that he tried to accomplish, his heart and the passion that he had for these things. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, whom am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. Notice what he says. But I labored more abundantly than they all, Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, no matter how hard he labored, uh, his attitude was he's not yet been perfected. He's not yet obtained. He's not yet got 
to that prize yet. So he says, it's not time for me to give up. It's not time for me to quit. It's not time for me to slack off. It's not time for me to just sit back and, and let others take, take the lead. He said, I've not obtained yet. I, I've not been perfected yet. It's not time for me to quit. I've got to keep going. Even though he says he labored and labored of all the things that he said that he did, he said, I still have to work. He said, I still have to work at it. I still have to have a passion for it. It still has to be what I want to do because I've not reached my goal yet. He said, I can't stop now. He said, my passion for Christ has not yet been fulfilled because I've not got to that prize yet. Why would I stop now? Why would I want to just stand back and, and say I've done enough? Because he's not yet done enough. Now you say, well, well, you can't work your way to heaven. Well, that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul's talking about our passion that we should have for serving God. When I wake up each morning, I should want to do something for God. I should want to do something for, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I should want to take every advantage of the opportunities that we have. The problem is, do we? Do we take those advantages? Do we take those opportunities? Do we have a passion to want to do that? And many times I think the answer may be no. Um, I remember some, I forgot who it was that uh, I was talking to, but they said they, they're a preacher one time. Every time that they talked to them or every time they'd visit with them, when, when they left, the preacher would always say, stay green. And I've never heard that before. And, and he said he didn't for a while, but he, this preacher always said this, stay green, stay green. So he said he asked him one day, why do you say that? And he said, because I want everybody that I, every Christian I come in contact, I want them to stay green. He said, because as long as they're green, they're like a plant. They're growing, they're surviving, they're, they're doing good. When they start turning that brown and them leaves start falling off, then they're not doing good anymore. They're starting to die. So he says, as Christians, he said, you, you want to stay green. You want to keep doing what you're doing. You want to thrive. You don't want to just exist. You don't want to just you know, take up space and ground because what's going to happen is those that are doing good are going to get those nutrients. And what happens? You're going to, you're going to die. And we don't want to spiritually die, do we? We want to stay thriving. We want to have a passion for Christ. We want to want to do what He wants us to do. It's not just about going through the motion. So what I want to do tonight is I want us to look at um, some things that might indicate if we are losing our passion for Christ. Um, have you ever said this? Well, I've studied the Bible for years. Uh, I, I don't really need to study as much anymore. You know, I kid around sometimes and somebody be telling me something. I said, be careful what you tell me because my head is so full of knowledge. When I take something in that's new, I lose something and I'm not in control of what I lose. So I may forget something or lose something. But sometimes I think we do that when it comes to our... That was a joke, by the way. You can laugh at that if you want to. Um, as the preacher said, amen, Walls. It's right anyhow. Uh, you know, you can... We can get to a point to where we think, well... You know, I, I've read the Bible, I've studied the Bible, I've gone to Bible classes, I've, I've listened to sermon after sermon. I really, I really don't know how much more that can do for me. I even had somebody say that to me one time. I don't know if I can learn any more. I, I, I've studied the Bible all my life. Well, I don't know about you, every time I study, I learn something new. 
And then I, I, I'm kind of ashamed sometimes when I go back and study things that I've studied before and think, how did I miss that? How did I not see that? How, how, how did I not? But what, that's what comes with growth, doesn't it? That comes with experience. That comes with more studying. We can see that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study, show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Proverbs 15 and 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Think about this. If we don't study, if we don't learn God's Word, one, we won't know what He wants us to do, but two... What if we have the opportunity to study with someone and we need to be able to show them and tell them what they must do to serve God? What if we don't know it? What if we don't know where to find it? What if we don't know uh, uh, really what it is? They're not going to take or they shouldn't take. Well, just because I said so. You know, this, this is what you're supposed to do. Well, why? Well, I, I don't know. It's in there somewhere. Would you take that? Would you stake your soul on that if somebody told you that? There's too many people out in the denominational world that believe stuff like that every day. They take the word of whatever anybody says to them. We need to be able to search the scripture to be able to see if these things are so or not. So we need to be ready to give an answer for the reason of that hope that's in us. Someone asked me, why are you living the way that you live? I should be able to tell them. I should be able to show them. Because that's the best thing to do is not tell them, show them from God's Word. Let them know it comes from God's Word. It doesn't come from you. So we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to readily find that. And sometimes that's not easy to do. That doesn't mean I need to quote Scripture. I know a lot of individuals that quote Scriptures but don't really know the Bible. We need to make sure that we know what God has to say. Not only for our benefit, but for those that we come in contact with. Other people may say, well, you know, you asked them about their prayer life. Well, I prayed all my life. I don't pray as much as I used to pray. You know, I used to pray more. I don't pray that much anymore. Well, why? Well, why have we stopped praying? Have we lost our zeal? Have we lost our zest? Have we uh, uh, lost the thought of that it does any good to pray? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Luke 18 and 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. You know, part of studying is knowing what God is saying to us. We need to talk to Him. We need to tell Him our troubles. We need to tell Him our pain, our suffering. We need to tell Him when things are going good. We need to tell Him all of our needs. We need to keep that communication with God open. Because what happens is when we quit talking to God, we quit studying God's Word, then we are going to lose our zest, our zeal, our passion for God. Why? Because that's not what's on the forefront of our mind. I think that's the key thing to praying. I think that's the key thing to studying is always keep God's Word at the, the forefront of our mind. So when we're faced with situations, we're faced with problems, whether it's discouragement, whether it's trials, whether it's some controversy that comes up, whether it's anything that comes up in our life, we should have God's Word at the forefront to where we can relate God's Word to what we're going through. And I mean, sometimes we think that things we go through doesn't have anything to do with, with Scripture. When we face anything in our life, the principles that's taught in Scripture will help us through it. It doesn't matter what it is. 
We can find help through God's Word. But if we're not studying, if we're not praying, then what happens is, once again, we start losing uh, our zeal uh, for God. What about if someone says, well, I've done enough work in the church, it's time to let someone else take over. Have you ever felt like that? I feel like that sometimes. You know, I, I, I've known others that feel like that sometimes. What causes that? Sometimes we get burnt out because we get so busy with busy work in the church. Sometimes we can get burnt out. And we can do a lot of things in the church that, quite honestly, again, doesn't have anything to do with God. But we can do a lot of things also that does that can help us grow spiritually. And we need to know the difference. We need to understand the difference. But sometimes we can just get that feeling of, you know, well, I've, I've done enough. I've done all that I need to. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now what, notice what it says. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It didn't say sometimes. It didn't say just uh, in a period of your life. Now, our work may change. It may change as we get older. It may change because of our circumstances. It may change because of opportunities. There's things that, that maybe I do now that I didn't do when I was younger. There's things that I was doing when I was younger I had to change now because I'm a little older. You know, maybe my eyes aren't what they used to be. My feet aren't what they used to be. Maybe it's not the same, but I still need to work. I still need to do things for God. Again, my abilities may change, but guess what? There's still plenty to do. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can look at that we can take opportunities that, and, and we need to look at it that maybe I've got opportunities now that I didn't have when I was younger. There's different opportunities now. I'm in a different stage of life now. So I can reach different people. I can do different things. They may not be the same things as before, but that's the thing. I can't look back and say, well, I'm not able to do that anymore, or, or I did this and I didn't do it right, or that didn't work out. And sometimes that can hinder us from doing what we should do now. But it's not about then, it's about now, isn't it? It's about what we're facing now, what our abilities are now. Am I doing as much as I can do now? Because that's what God expects from me. Revelation 14 and verse 13, Then I heard the voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works will follow them. See, it's not time for me to quit working yet. There's, there's still things for me to do. Again, I'm not earning my place in heaven I'm doing the things that needs to be done within the body of Christ, within my spiritual life, within my family at home. There, there's work in which I can do, that I should do. And if I don't, who else is going to do it? You know, that's what it comes down to. If I lose my passion for Christ, then I can influence somebody else to lose their passion for Christ. I guarantee you, and I've done this before, I'm not going to get into that, I've probably talked about that before sometime, but I, I guarantee you, you can change someone's attitude by just how you act or the things that you say. You can either change it to positive, something positive, or something negative by just the words that you say or the actions that you do. Whether you do something or don't do something can change someone else. So you're not only affecting yourself, I'm not only affecting myself when I, I, I don't do these things, I'm affecting those that are around me. My influence matters. 
And I've got to think about that. Look at their next point here in Philippians 3 and 13. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now Paul here is making it clear that he doesn't consider, again, himself as reaching that goal. And he says, I can't reach that goal by looking back. I can't look back. I've got to forget about those things. Now Paul had two different sets of things that he could forget about. One is he had a very highly, he was a very highly educated individual. But he can't stand back on and say, well, look at me. I'm, 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 I sit at the feet of Gamaliel. I've done these types of things. And, and just look back at that and say, well, I've done enough. But also he can't look back and say, you know, I don't think I need to be doing this because I was a strong persecutor of the church. Matter of fact, I took great joy and I held the coats and watched them when they stole Stephen. He said, that's the kind of person I was. But see, he can't look back at the past and try to move forward and attain his goal. He said, the past is the past. He said, I'm going to count that as rubbish. That's just trash. Whatever was before is before. What counts now is what's now. That's what I've got to look at. And I think that's what causes a lot of people, myself included, of losing our zeal just in general, our, our, our zeal in life, our zeal for moving forward in anything is we try to live in the past. We look at the past, either we feel guilty for something that we've done, or we have regret of things that we've done, or we think, well, look at all this that I accomplished in the past, so I don't have to do so much now. All of these things can hinder us from doing what we should do. We can't live in the past. Is there anything that we can do to change it at all? There's nothing that we can do. We have to move forward from that. And that's not an easy thing to do. I, I'm, I'm a very, uh, um, I live in the past a lot. You know, I, I, I look back in the past and, and think a lot of things, and it, it hinders me sometimes from doing day-to-day -day things. Then I have to tell myself, that that's in the past. I need to look at now. I might have missed this opportunity, or even if I did this opportunity, I can't look back and say, that was enough, or I can't do this because I didn't do it then. Paul said, I'm not yet obtained, but I'm not going to obtain my goal if I keep looking uh, in the past. In Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice what the Hebrew writer says. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he said, let us lay aside every weight that so easily, the sins that so easily ensnares us. If we're going to obtain our goal, if we're going to strive for that prize, as Paul says, I've not yet obtained it yet, I want to give myself the best chance of doing that, don't I? You know, I, I, I don't want to run with so much weight on me that I can't finish the race. I don't want to run with so much weight on me that I can't run efficiently. The only way is to get rid of that. The only way is not only get rid of it, but remember that you have gotten rid of it. Remember that it is gone. Again, you can't live in the past. 
you know, how, what if God looked at us toward the same way either maybe others look at us or we look at ourselves? Would we like that very much? But see, again, it can cause us to lose our passion. It can cause us to lose our zest because we just think about the past. And as Paul said, I can't think about the past. I have to press forward. Look at verse 13 of Philippians, or verse 14 of Philippians 3. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The word press in the Greek means to strive intensely. Um, the Greeks use it to describe a hunter eagerly waiting and, and pursuing his prey. If you use it in terms of a, of, a, of a race, it means that you're doing everything you can to strive to get to the end at the very best that you can. And that's what Paul said that he was doing. He said, I'm, I'm doing it with all of my might. And if we, we look at Paul's life, we can see it, it through the bad, we can see it through the good, and we can see his attitude toward it. He never lost his passion. He, had this, he, he took that same passion that he had of fighting against it, and he took that same passion to fight for it and continued to fight for it. But he had to forget the passion he had against it. He said that was in the past. Matthew 10 and 22, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Not he that endures halfway, not he that endures part of the way, but he that endures to the end. And that's what we're striving for. And I believe that's what Satan is counting on, is that we won't do that. That we'll lose our passion before the end. We'll get tired of running. We'll, we'll, we'll stack so much weight and he'll bring so much weight to us that we just feel like we physically can't run anymore. Paul said, lay all that aside and strive the very best of your ability to get to the end. Philippians 3, 15 through 17 once again. He says, therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the same mind, brethren, join in following my example and note those who, who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Now Paul is teaching us that we should have the same mind as he did. Now, we've got to make sure that we're not thinking, again, that we've already obtained, not thinking that we've reached our goal yet, not looking back, and even what we're going through now. Sometimes we can let things that we're facing now drag us down to where we just want to say, I, I, I just don't think I can run anymore. Again, we lose our passion. But again, Paul knows something about this. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I've received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. If you was going through this, would you be worried about somebody else? 
If you was going through this, could you still have a passion for Christ? If you went through all the things that Paul went through, could you still say, I've got a zeal for serving God? I don't know if I could. Because there's sometimes I go through something a lot less than what Paul went through, and I think, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do it anymore. I, I don't know if I can get through this. And it might be something that seems big to me at the time, but as I get through it, I realize it wasn't that big after all. I go back and read what Paul said about all the things that he went through. He said, what still concerned me are the churches. I want to make sure they're doing okay. I want to make sure my brethren are doing fine. That's what was on his mind. He didn't let the things he was going through discourage him because he had, he had the thought that you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. You don't walk by what you're seeing, these things that can discourage you, these things that can get you down. When Satan is providing these opportunities to take away your zeal, Paul said, I don't pay attention to that. I keep my eye on the prize. I keep my eye on the goal. And nothing and nobody is going to take that from me. We've got to have that kind of attitude. But sometimes our worst enemy, yeah, it's Satan, but it's ourselves. We can get in our own heads. We can get in our own emotions to where Satan gets in there and it's hard to get him out. But Paul said, I strive forward. I forget about those things. And notice what he was able to say. 2 Timothy, as Titus read a few moments ago, chapter 4, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. You notice how over and over and over Paul said, I've not yet obtained, I've not yet attained, I've not yet got to the prize, I've not yet got to the goal. And he got to a point in his life, he said, I fought a good fight. Because I've kept my eye on the goal, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive that crown. I'm ready to receive what's promised to me because I've kept the faith. He didn't lose his passion. He didn't lose his zeal. He didn't lose his, his thought of now. Did Paul's abilities change? Well, sure they did. But he still had that passion. He still had that zeal. And he was able to say, and that's what we all, you know, we all say we want to get to that point where we hear, hear, hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we want to hear. But I want to be able to say like Paul did, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear that. I fought that fight. I'm tired now. I want that rest. I need that rest because I've fought my whole life. I've kept that zeal. I've kept that passion. I'm not just set back and just quit halfway. Our labor is not in vain. We have to keep telling ourselves that. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord.